you can turn in your Bibles if you would. We're going to be staying pretty much in the, the same chapter the whole time, over here in Luke chapter 12. How ready are we supposed to be for the return of Jesus? In this parable, Jesus gave some instruction concerning the Master's return. He spoke of being ready in case He returned in the second or even the third watch of the night. In Jesus' words, Blessed are those servants whom the Master, when He comes, will find watching. So what does watching mean? Who is Jesus speaking to? These are some of the questions we want to take a look at here. Now in this parable, why is Jesus emphasizing the watching for the Master over the working in the house? Have you ever heard this parable before? Jesus is, there's so much emphasis on watching. We can kind of get the idea that if I just watch for the Father sending the Son, if I just watch for it, I'll be in good shape. But that doesn't seem to go with everything else we know in Scripture. So we want to take a look at this particular parable. Last two weeks we were looking at the parable of the sheep and the shepherd. It was in John chapter 10. We looked at some uh, other areas of that same thing last week. In particular... We need to learn the lessons at the base of the mountain before we learn those that are up the mountain. We took a look at Exodus and we saw that Moses and Joshua, they went up the mountain and they went up and met God and God gave them instructions. Everybody else was commanded to stay down on the mountain. They were given instructions about what they were supposed to do in worship. They were given instructions about what they were supposed to do in uh, impurity. All these things they were given instruction on and Moses went up on the mountain. And he was going to be up there for a number of days. And they got impatient about waiting. We saw that they decided, hey, let's uh, go on back to Egypt. Let's, uh, let's make for ourselves new gods. Let's worship them. And apparently everyone went along with this plan except for the Levites and a few of the leaders, Aaron and her, we know that we're not on board with that. Aaron eventually did make the calf where he was forced. We don't know all the things that it had, had accomplished at the base of the mountain. But there was a lot of pressure. And from what we can tell in Scripture, her was killed because he didn't comply with the pressure. But one group of people stood out, and that was the Levites. And because of what they did at the base of the mountain, they were elevated to the position of priests. What we do at the base of the mountain determines where we go. You want to learn the voice of God? Learn His voice at the base of the mountain. What's the base of the mountain? This is where the pressure comes on to change. This is where there's not as much supernatural going on to obey what God has said. But we need to obey what God has said. And when God has spoken to us in His Word or God has spoken to us in our spirit, we need to obey those things. And as we are obedient... At the base of the mountain, we will find that the opportunity will be there to climb up the mountain and to hear God on even greater things. We looked at this. There's also this theme that follows in other areas of Scripture. I'm not going to delve into all that. You can get, go up online, listen on YouTube, do the podcast, all those different things that you have available to you if you want to go back there and check those things out. But here in Luke chapter 12, Verse 35 goes this way. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding and when he comes and knocks they may open to him immediately. Now the New Century Version renders verse 35 this way. Be dressed ready for service and have your lamp shining. 
Because sometimes let your waist be girded, kind of blind to us. Nikolai had a, a few words to say about this from Peter's uh, reading of it and calling people to, to gather up their loins. This is the same kind of a thing here. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. So what he's saying here is you need to get yourself ready for whatever it is you're going to be taking up. Now they wore longer robes as uh, Nikolai was pointing out. And if you need to pick up and run, well, they would sometimes take those and hold them up in their hand, and then they would take off. So if we don't have that so much today, but I, but think of it this way. Uh, gentlemen, if you need to get somewhere in a hurry, and you have to get from your car to the store, if you're like me and you have a bigger vehicle, you can't park next to the store. You have to park further away. I, I just, you know, I, I, I come to the place that I know I will be parking further away. That's just what we do. And so I park further off in the parking lot. So if it all of a sudden starts to rain and you need to, to hurry up and you have stuff in your pockets. Guys, we carry stuff in our pockets. Girls, you, you, ladies, you carry the purses. You have the things in the purses. We don't carry purses. Most men don't carry purses. <clears throat> but we have stuff in our pocket. And if you are if needing to go somewhere and you have a lot of things in your pocket, what's one of the things that you would do? Well, you can sometimes go in your pocket, pull those things out that'd be jingling around while you're running and hold them, kind of girding yourself up. That's the kind of thing you, you got to get yourself ready for what is ahead for you. Ready for what's, what's ahead. There's some things out. Now, every day you may be girded up in a little bit different, differently. I've made mention of this before that uh, on, on Wednesdays and on Sundays, I'm girded up differently than I am on the rest of the days of the week. On the rest of the days of the week, I have uh, certain tools that I carry with me that are not always on my person on Sunday morning and on Wednesday night. But today I made the exception. And so I brought it with me. And so these are the tools that I carry around all day long. And, and one of them is, is, a, is a flashlight. Now I used to have I had a longer one for many, many years. In fact, I've had it for so many years that uh, they don't make it anymore. It's not even on the website because I wanted to try and get it replaced because I... I lost it. I was using it and left it on something and I cannot find out where it went. So I had to get a new one. And so one of the replacements they have, it's a lot shorter. It's a lot smaller. And I'm not going to turn this on because it will blind you. It is very, very bright. <laughs> but it has a different different things you can that you can set it to. But it's one of those ones, you know, it has a magnet to it. So you can put it on something and it'll stick. But it's at a right angle. And the reason that it helps me out in, in this particular thing is because I can turn this on and it shines out here. I don't have to hold it. So if I'm carrying something, I need a light on, I just hit the little button and then I can go and it's going to light my path for me. I also have this, this boy over here and this, uh, this is a knife, this is a wrench, this is a can opener, this is screwdrivers, this is just about every kind of tool that you can have. And if you wonder why in the world do I carry this around so much, it's because during the, during the day I'm out in the yard, I'm out in the pool, I'm out in the shop. In different places, and sometimes you just need something. It was the worst thing. You'd be out there in the pool. You need need a wrench. You need something, and it's not there. And it's always on me. And I've told you this story. My uh, my grandkids know that if we need a knife, pop up. Can I use your knife? They don't ask me, pop up. Do you have your knife? They say, pop up. Can I use your knife? Can I use your scissors? Because this has a pair of scissors on it. Pop up. Can I have your flashlight? Because they know I always have a flashlight with me. Now, a lot of times, even if I don't have uh, this one on me. Uh, on a on a Sunday, I will very often have a small flashlight on me because I'm here when it's dark. 
And uh, I don't want to go looking for a flashlight when I need a flashlight. So I'm girded up. I have these particular things on me, but they're on me in such a way that you uh, really can't tell. Now, I was trying to put this on before service, and I realized the belt that I have on Sunday doesn't carry this. It doesn't work so well. <laughs> the one I have uh, that I usually wear the rest of the time, it's much more substantial. It's easier to get it on. It's easier to get it off, and it's easier to carry it around. So I'm just going to take that off and, and leave that on. But girded up is when you are... You are geared up for what you have to face. I know I have to face certain things. You know, if you ladies uh, are going to go out, you make sure that your purse has in it the things that you need. And I don't know what all those things might be. But whatever they are, you make sure that you have those particular things. You are girded up. You make sure that you are ready for whatever this is going to face you. And as we go through life, we learn, well, we need these particular things. You know, with, with grandkids, sometimes we need Band-Aids. You may not need them for you, but you may need them for the for those situations that, that will come on up. And so you make sure that you have these things available to you. You're girded up. You're ready. So that's what he's talking about here when he says, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. Get yourself ready to, to go. Get yourself ready to go on out there. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding. And when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Now, this parable is in its fullness here in Luke. Luke is the only one that carries the entire parable. It's also uh, recorded here in Luke as being earlier in Jesus' ministry. Jesus will give this same parable later in the ministry, closer to when he is going to be crucified, and he doesn't include all these details. Now, there are some parables that are given that are talking about the, uh, the uh, master or the bridegroom coming to the wedding. This one is very specific in that it says he is returning from the wedding. So, I spent some time on this. I wanted to make sure. Why is he returning from the wedding in this parable and all the other parables that are, have to do with the wedding? He is going to the wedding. Now, we know the wedding feast, the marriage feast of the Lamb is one of those things that's talked about. And then some of the latter ones, it very much seems to be the wedding feast of the lamb that is coming up that is referred to in these in these particular parables. But this one, he's coming from the wedding. Why would he be coming from the wedding feast of the bride, the, the, the church? Why would he be coming from that to be doing these particular things? And so I did some research on this, looking this over, and here's the best thing I can come up with why this is. Because the idea of the parable is you don't know when the master is coming. Isn't that the main idea? If he was going to go into town and he was going to buy some stuff and bring it on back, how many of y'all know when he's coming back? More than likely today. Right? Most things you go to, you know when you're coming back from. Even if you have a little bit of a trip, well, it's going to be a day to get me out there and a day to get me back. I should be back on Thursday. And you can say these particular things. But the one thing that would happen in their lives that they would not know when they were coming back from is a wedding feast. And we told you about their wedding feast before. I would, I would make excuses. I'd be one of those people who made excuses and not go to the wedding feast. Because a wedding feast is anywhere from four to seven days. You've got to commit to yourself to going over to this person's house for four to seven days. That's a long time. I don't think I want to do that for a wedding. But... He's using this example because they know four to seven days. You don't just go there for a couple hours. 
We've mentioned it before. How many of y'all know? Two, three hours at a reception. How many are done? That's it. Two, three hours at the reception. I'm out of here. <laughs> We're ready to, to roll on. Especially if they're playing music that you don't like. Maybe one hour. But you, you, you just want to kind of move along. But for days, this is going on. Days, this is happening. So the people don't know when he's coming. Because apparently he can go four days, five days, six days, seven days. We don't know when he's coming. This is spanning over a number of days. We're not sure when he is going to return. So the theme for this being the wedding is probably just because of the uncertainty of the return. And this is what he's after. He wants to show them what happens with the servants while the master is gone. Well, it says not only are you girded, but you have your lamps burning. Why do you need a, why do you need a flashlight? Why do you need a lamp? Because it's nighttime. Nighttime of this parable is, a, is an emphasis. And we're going to see this more, but the lamps burning is certainly part of that. You're ready for night travel. You're ready for night arrival. You're ready for things that are going on around there at nighttime. They don't have little light switches they can just flip on in the house and all the lights are on. They have to make sure that they can see and get prepared for these things before that is, that is occurring. One of the things you might do before a storm, how many of you folks before a storm make sure you know where all the flashlights are? If not, you ought to do that. Make sure you know where all the flashlights are. Make sure all the flashlights work. Well, I'm a faith person. I don't believe in that kind of... I don't believe anything's going to happen. No, I don't care if you're a faith person or not. Get your flashlight ready. How many parables are in there about getting your lamps ready? Having your lamp ready. Get your lamp ready. I go through sometimes if they're having a really big storm coming up our way, I go through and I pick up all my flashlights because i got a number of them and I make sure every single one is charged. I don't care if I just charged it a month ago. I pull everyone out. I charge them all up. I want everything going. I want it ready to go. I have the ability to charge them when the power is out. But I still I want to start this way with, with things been going good. You want to make sure that the things are, are good. You want to be prepared for what might come. Always look to be prepared. This is what he's talking to them about. Be prepared. So get your lamps burning. They're, we're talking about a nighttime thing here. Now he says here, let me read this again. And you yourselves, verse 36, be like men who wait for their master. Be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding. Be like the people that are waiting for the master. Now, think about this. If they are waiting for the master, what are some of the things they're doing? Are they sitting in a chair waiting for him to come? No. Why? Because these are people that are employed by the master. They are employed at the house. There are things to do in the house. And apparently there are multiple people there. There's not just one or two. There are multiple people there. Must be a good sized house. You got a good sized house, there's a lot of things to be doing in that house. So while the master is gone, the people still go about maintaining the house, maintaining the uh, estate, maintaining all the grounds, doing all the things that have to be done. They're still at work doing these. They're not sitting around waiting for him to return. But it, it says here that they're watching. They continue about the house business, they keep things like the master likes them. Even though he's not home. We gotta keep things like the master wants them. Because the master could come home. 
when he comes home, we want to make sure it's, you know, it's, it's how he likes it. Everybody likes things a little bit differently. You know, in, in our house, my, my wife likes the lights off. I like the lights on. If I go into the room and I have my computer on, I can see my computer in the nighttime. But if I go in and I'm sitting down and I'm working on some stuff, I turn the light on. I like lights on. My wife will come in and she'll sit on down. I'm working on the computer. Do you mind if I turn the light off? No, go ahead. She likes lights off. I like lights on. You all know that there's people in your house, there's certain ways they like things. Certain things that, there's some people like a certain temperature. We know that on, like on Sundays or Wednesdays here, uh, the, uh, the people on Wednesday, generally the people come out on Wednesday don't like it as cold. So I make sure that I make the thermostat is a little bit warmer on Wednesday nights. If I made it that way on, on Sundays, y'all be mutiny. Otherwise <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so warm. Because we we, you try and make things the way that, that would help people. They're going around the house doing things in the house to make sure that it's like the master wants so when he comes back, it's the way that he, that he wants it to be. That's what, that's what he wants. Keep things like the master likes them. They have to maintain attitudes just like he was present. They can't have the master go away and then all of a sudden be short with everybody. Be yelling at everybody. That's, that's not the idea. No, they've got to make sure that we maintain the same attitudes. I gotta still respect the goods of the house. Because it's still the master's house. I gotta respect the goods. I gotta res- respect the stuff that's here. And I gotta make sure that the goods of this house still are subject to what the master wants done. Because it's his house. Now here's one question for you. And I can't find, I looked through all kinds of, uh, Jewish writings and things like this to try and figure this out. Why does the master knock? It's his house. How many of you, when you go home, knock on your door? No, it's your house. What do you do? You walk in. It's your house. You go on in. But it says very clearly, when he comes and knocks, they may open it to him. So I, I put some thought. There didn't seem to be anything in, in uh, the traditions or the culture or anything like that that was, was going on. One person suggested maybe it was just the, he's respecting the privacy of them inside. I didn't quite... I think that was, no, he's the owner of the house. They work for him. I don't think he's going to care too much about that. But, uh, but then a thought came to me. Because this sometimes happens to, to me. Sometimes, if, um, if, if I, I've gone out on a, on a Sunday, usually I go out through the garage and I lock the door. Every once in a while, I try and go through the checklist, make sure I have everything that I need. I try to make sure everything is there. But every once in a while, I hit a spot where, oh, I need that. I need to get back in the house. Now, the problem is, I can't. I've locked the garage. And on the front door, I have a key to the front door. But if I turn the key to the front door, it will open the bottom lock. But it won't open the top one. Because we have a lock on our front door that can only be opened and only locked from the inside. So, is it customary in a house that is this large to have some kind of a mechanism that is locked from the inside in which you must have someone on the inside who undoes it? You can have simply a a board that you put across that is fastened. There would be a simple lock on the door and would make sure that no one could, could 
come in that door unless they, unless it was open. Now, the only time that you would do that is when? The only time we throw the deadbolt over on ours is nighttime. We go to bed, we go to the door, lock the bottom, throw the deadbolt on the top, and we head on up. That's what we do. That's a normal thing. That deadbolt doesn't really get thrown until we know we're not going in and out anymore. And we're not going to bring anybody else in, in the house. So that's, again, pointing to a nighttime focus, if that's, the, if that's the case. We have some other places where it is that way, too. Look at verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. Hmm. He's going to come and serve them. Why would he come and serve them? Why would the master of the house come and after he sees that they were watching for him, he said, you know what? I'm going to gird myself. I'm going to put my own, my own things on. Now, think about it around the house. If you're going to go out and mow the grass on the lawn, you don't wear a suit. You don't wear a dress. You will go on out there and you have clothes that are suited for that. So he has just come back from a wedding feast, which means he has more wedding apparel on. But now he's going to serve. So he's going to change. You guys sit on down. Let me go change. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to take care of you here. You guys were so good to be watching for me, to be looking for me. And he is so pleased that he's going to flip around and, and do this. He will come and serve them. That's one pleased master there. The New Century Version reads 37 this way. They will be blessed when their master comes home because he sees that they were watching for him. I tell you the truth, the master will dress himself to serve and tell the servants to sit at the table and he will serve them. That's one pleased master, isn't he? So what does, what does watching mean? Is it just that they were watching for him? Or is there something else going on? Well, being, being watching, you're ready to take care of the master's needs. I am ready, if he comes through that door, I am ready to take care of the master's needs. I'm willing to jump into action as soon as I'm called upon. I am, I am ready. Prepare with things that the master might want or need. How many of y'all know people in your family? If you invite somebody over from your family, you invite uncle so-and-so, aunt so-and-so, whoever it might be, and they come on over. How many of y'all know, well, they like this. And so you make sure that you have those particular things there for them. Because you know that they, they like to, oh, they like it when we have that dessert. We'll make sure that we make that dessert for them. This is what they, we know what kind of things the master would like. We don't know what kind of things he was eating at the wedding feast, but let's make sure that we have some things ready for when he comes, we'll prepare things that the master would want, or even the master might need. You know, last time he went to a wedding and he came back, he needed this. Let's make sure we have this ready. So they're anticipating some of the needs that might be there, and they have these things made ready. They're watching. Now, it's, there's multiple people here, and it could be talking about being uh, people in shifts. And take a look at this, verse 38. And if he should come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so... Blessed are those servants. Now, the second watch and the third watch. How many know what time that is? Anybody know what time that is? Yeah, I had to look it up myself. This is what I found out. The Jews, the Greeks, the Romans, they all divided the night into military watches. This is something that they would do. Instead of hours, instead of just hours, they would have a watch. A particular uh, span of time. 
each watch would represent a period of hours. And uh, whatever sentinels or whatever people were out there on duty, these are the times that they would be watching for it. Now, you don't want them to be too long because you want them to be sharp. And you don't want it to be too short. you got to have that uh, happy mix in there. Now, in the Old Testament, if you actually went through, and if you want some references for it, you can ask me later on. I'll give them to you if you care to, to go back out there. But the Old Testament, they recognized three watches in the Old Testament. There was the beginning of watches, there was the middle watch, and there was the morning watch. Now, there's references for each of those. There was the beginning of watches, there was the middle watch, and there was the morning watch. These would last from about uh, sunset to about 10 o'clock at night, from 10 o'clock at night to about 2 a.m., and then from 2 a.m. until sunrise. Those were the three watches that in the Old Testament you will find. But once the Roman government established their supremacy, and of course the Greeks even before them, that number increased to four, and it included for the Jews as well. So they had four watches that they would describe here. The first watch and the fourth watch encompassed daylight time. The second watch and the third watch would be dark times. Now these these times will go this way. You would go from about sunset to about 9 p.m. for the first watch. You would go from 9 p.m. till midnight for the second watch, 9 to, to midnight, and about midnight to 3 a.m., for the third watch, and then 3 a.m. to sunrise, or about 6 a.m. for the, the fourth watch. These are the four watches that they adopted. So when Jesus is saying the second and third watch, he might come in the second and third watch, he is only talking about nighttime shifts. So we got lamps, we got uh, the, the nighttime shifts, that are, we got some things pointing to this, that the emphasis seems to be on a nighttime arrival. So if we have multiple people that are here, they are functioning as a whole. And so what you have, let's just say they had 10 people. They may have had 20, they may have had 30, let's just say they had 10 people. And you've got uh, some hours in the day to, to cover. So you tell you what, let's, let's do it this way. You take the day shift today, I'll take the night shift, and then somebody else can take the evening shift. And so they would switch it around so that everyone was working, but all... All the while, someone would be around, someone would be there, should the master come home, even at the second or the third watch. This was probably a change in the behavior of the house. They would change the behavior of the house because they want to be ready for when he comes home. They are watching. But they're not just standing by, sitting on a, on a chair. They are looking out. They are preparing the house. They are keeping things ready the entire time. The second and third watch. These are the tougher times for people to stay awake. How many have a hard time staying awake then? I am a morning person. To get up at 4 a.m. In, in the morning, it's not a problem. It's not even a stretch. It's not difficult. I most times don't even need to set my alarm. Sometimes if I'm going down the shore and I'm bunk bed delivery, I need to be out of the house by at least 5 a.m. At least 5 a.m. I need to be out of the house. Otherwise, I'm going through the city and the traffic's going to be worse. But if I can get out by 5 a.m., then we're good. I don't even care if I get down to the, to the shore areas before anybody's wanting me to be there. I'd rather do that, pull up, go run on the beach for a while, than sit around in traffic. 
that'd just be my, my preference to do. But most time I'm going down there, the house is empty, the key is somewhere, no one cares if I get in there really early and I get all my stuff done and go, I, I'm just a morning person. I don't have to even set an alarm. If I had to get out at 5, I may set the alarm and say, well, be up by, by 4 a.m. And about 3.30, 3.45, I'm up. And I just get up and I go about doing things. Oh, never hardly need the alarm. That's a piece of cake for me. But for me to stay up into the, into the night, you know, even 11 o'clock is a lot of times pushing it for me. I my wife has no trouble. She likes 11, 12, 1. It's, it's all fine with her. Uh, no, not me. No. I, I love that. Uh, uh, I think it was a, some kind of a comic somebody made up. You know, the mom and dad are always telling they have to be in bed at 9, have to be in bed at 9.30, something like that. And I couldn't wait to grow up. Couldn't wait to grow up and find, and then I could stay up as late as I want. He said, turned out, it's 9 or 9.30. <laughs> well, that's me. You know, I, I could go to bed at 9, 9.30 every night. I'd be happy. Get up at 3, get up at 4. This is great. This is fine. Because I'm more of a morning person. I'm ready to hit the ground running as soon as the, the morning comes up. Don't need coffee. Don't need anything kind of a wake-up juice. I'm just ready. I, I get up. I'm ready to go. Not everybody's like that. Some people are more nighttime people. And so those are the people that should be on the night shifts. They should be taking these particular things. Because you put me on the night shift, more than likely I'm going to go to sleep. So they're probably, you know, dividing these things up. You know, you know, I like, I'm a nighttime person. I can take the night shift over here. All right, well, I'll take the early morning one over here. And, and they're dividing these things up. So they've changed the order of the house simply so that they are ready for when the master comes home. And he sees that. That's why he's so pleased with it. Because he's going to come home. Wait a minute. You guys did all this just to watch from when I came on home? Man, that is so great. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. Now, servants, he's not just going to be looking at just the ones that were awake when he was there. He knows, no, you guys have changed the entire schedule just to make sure that, that uh, someone was around. They may even be telling him, hey, you're here, but we were also looking for when anybody else would be. We had, you know, Joe, he was up, uh, he was on the shift before. We we're watching for you. We're looking for you. We want to see when you're coming home because we wanted to be ready for you. So he says, But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. But know this, that if the master of the house had known, if he had known... Well, if you knew what time when a thief or a robber was coming, how many of you all know you would do something about it? If you knew, but the whole idea is they want to come when you don't expect them. And so what do you do in the meantime? Well, you have things around and you get, get things ready. You do things that prepare you in case someone should try and break into the house so that you are ready for them. You know, you have a bat, you have a gun, you have uh, whatever it might be. You got some things that are nearby that you have access to that you can um, you can. Do some things. You got a phone that's there. You can call 911. You can call somebody that you know that's nearby. You can, uh, I heard one person, it was a great idea. I had never thought of it until I read it, and I can't say that I do this all the time. But they said, if you go to bed at night, take your keys and keep them up by you. Because if you hear something going on, what you simply do is you hit the panic alarm on your car. Your car alarm will now go off. Well, that will surely wake up the neighbors. 
and let them know that something is going on and probably enough to scare the would-be robbers out of the house. Could be. So that, if that works for you, great. You know, you can apply that if you don't want to have a gun. You know, if anybody's going to break into my house, I have no religious problem with uh, ending them. I have no problem with that. You're going to come into my house and try and hurt some people that are in our house? I got no problem with that. You should not have been here to begin with. Some people have a problem with that. So if you don't want to have anything lethal around, just have something around like that. Just get ready for it. Because there are evil people out there and they want to do some things. And Jesus is saying, hey, if the master knew what time, when this robber is coming, he would have been prepared for it. I put this in your outline for you. It's about the only blanks that you got. Let me make sure I give them to you. The thief. If we are not intentionally ready, we will not be situationally ready. If you are not intentionally ready, whatever you intend to do, however you intend to go about it, if you are not intentionally ready, you will not be situationally ready. That situation may come up on you. When it does, you're not ready for it because you were not intentional about it. Now, I haven't, I've told you some of the things I do intentionally. I keep a particular flashlight that the strobe is extremely easy to get to. And that's just one push of a button and I'm in strobe mode on a really high-powered flashlight, and that can knock a lot of people out. It can actually put some people into epileptic seizures. <laughs> there we go. They can actually do some, some serious damage to them without ever having fired a shot. These are, are things, I have things that are, that are ready. Uh, I don't have a baseball bat up by my bed, but you know, one of these days maybe I'll, I'll grab one of them suckers and have them up there. But there are things that you do to prepare so that if they come in, they're not uh, hurting people that are in the house. You do some things that can, that can take care of that. You get yourself ready. However it is that you want to get ready for it. But you have to be intentional about it. This is what he's talking about here with this. The, the master, how he would be situationally ready if he was intentional about it. You have got to make sure that you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, are situationally ready for the master's return. And the only way that's going to happen is if you are intentional about it. It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen just because you're a Christian, just because you show up at church and read your Bible. You've got to be intentional about being ready. And that's what this parable is about. Let me read this last part again. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, I've told you before, I have problems with that. Because if I look at the second advent of Jesus Christ, the second advent of Jesus Christ, I know when that's going to happen. How many of y'all know when the second advent of Jesus Christ is going to come? When he comes to set up his kingdom. We almost know to the day when that's going to be. Now, the count doesn't start until the, the tribulation starts. But once the tribulation starts, you've got seven years. And it's pretty much counted out to the days when it will be. So if you know, well, the church was raptured here on this day. Of course, you all won't because you'll be gone. <clears throat> but other people could figure this out. And if they miss that, at the three and a half year mark, the... Uh, image is going to be set up over there in Israel in the temple and we can count it from there exactly three and one half years from this point is going to be the end of the tribulation if you lost count again we got the two witnesses that come on down and the two witnesses are during that whole time of that three and a half years they are ministering the people are trying to kill them they just can't kill them but then all of a sudden they're able to die and they're left in the streets for three days at the end of those three days, what happens? They are resurrected before them and they are raised up into heaven. 
Now, if you see that going on, now you won't see that. But other people might see that. If you see that coming on, you are within a couple of days of the Son of Man returning. Once you saw that, you, he's coming now. <laughs> we got maybe a day or two. I mean, it's not long. He's coming. I know. I've already got that marked out. Now, I don't know when all this starts off. But the only, the only coming that we sometimes focus on is that second advent or sometimes the rapture of the church. Jesus is not talking about the rapture of the church. He can't talk about the rapture of the church that has not been introduced yet. So he's not teaching about that. Jesus' teaching does not point to a rapture. He points to the second advent. The rapture comes from Paul's writings. Paul was the one who brought that, that part on in. But who says that the only time the master comes home is at the second advent? The master of the house in the story, does he only come home one time? Is there only one wedding feast? Is there only one time that he would have to go outside the house and come back? It's probably multiple times, right? When Jesus comes and calls upon you to be ready, will you be ready? Will you be ready? Are you living your life down here in such a way that if Jesus were to call on you, not just come, if Jesus were to call on you, that you would be ready. Because if you only look at the second advent, the time when Jesus comes and sets up his kingdom, what ministry are you going to do for the master then? What needs are you going to be taking care of then? You're being catapulted into a new kingdom. If it's the rapture, you're being taken up. But what if Jesus calls on you right here down on this earth? Are you ready? Are you intentionally ready for whatever situation you may find yourself in so if the master calls upon you, you can execute his will in that situation. See, sometimes we look at that parable and we think, well, there's only one time he went away and one time he came back. But if, this, if we're looking at this story the way Jesus is telling it, he went away to a wedding feast. More than likely, he's got more than one friend. He's a well-off guy. He's got multiple servants. If you have people that you can invite to your wedding... And some of them are rich. How many of y'all want them to be there? Absolutely. They bring good presents. Let's get them rich people on out here. All right. Well, if they can't come, can they send a gift? <laughs> right? So he's probably in demand to go to some weddings. This is not the first time this, is, this has happened. Why is it we read this parable and we think only one return? And that one return must be that. That's an assumption, isn't it? No, when the master returns, you've got to be ready to take care of him. When you do, he's going to be so happy, he's going to flip the tables. He's going to serve you. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. I don't know when God's going to call on me. I don't know when God's going to send somebody my way that I need to help. Don't know when that's going to be. But when he does, I have been intentional about being ready for it. I've got some things going on. I've got some things prepared. And I'm, I'm set. Some of you folks, you've been setting some things aside in your house that you might need. So you're intentionally getting yourself ready. What if God calls upon you and says, hey, those things you stored up, I need you to send some over to these people. Okay? See, he called on you. And you were ready. Make sure that you're ready. 
Well, let's go on to verse 41. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? Who are you speaking this to? Now, that's a pretty direct question, isn't it? Who do you speak to? Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? What was the question again? Who do you speak to? Are you speaking to us? Or are you speaking to everyone? Why does Jesus answer this way? Why not just say, Oh, I'm talking to you guys. He's told them that before. He says, For you it is to know the mysteries of the kingdom. He's told them that before. Why doesn't he just answer them simply this time? Who then is the faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? What he's telling you is this. The ones I'm writing this to are the people that are in a position to do the work for God, to do the work for the kingdom, to serve the master. The ones that are in that position, they're the ones that I'm speaking to. Because if you are in that position, I am going to be looking for someone to rule the house. If you're in that position. Well, we need to get ourselves in that position. If I'm not in that position, I need to get myself in that position. I need to be one who is ruling. Now, remember Paul's writings about this? In the house, there's different kinds of vessels. How many kinds of vessels are there? Some of clay, some of wood, some of silver, some of gold, some are common, some are special, some are valuable. Did, he, did Paul end that teaching by saying, you better hope you're one of the, uh, the latter ones. He didn't do that. He said, purge yourself of these things so that you can be one of the vessels of honor. If we can go back to that teaching and just reread that thing, this is what I need to get rid of. I need to get rid of these things so that I can be one of those people that Jesus is speaking about in this parable. Because it's up to me. It's not up to him. It's up to me. Am I one of the ones that he's talking about? Am I one of the ones that he's talking to? Who then is the faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. He will make him ruler. Does God find you doing what you're supposed to be doing, going after the, the, the master's will on a day-to-day basis? Or do you take some time off? The result of being faithful is more authority. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of the servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. So this this servant says, well, my master, he's not coming back. He's going to be gone a long time. I can do whatever I want. Begins to have some actions of abuse. 
These are people he's supposed to be caring for and he's abusing them. He's got some actions of some selfishness. He is using the master's goods to get himself drunk, get himself fat, take care of his own needs. He's pushed all these other things out of the way. Have you ever known Christians who live like that? Why doesn't God do something about it? <laughs> God is. But hope they uh, fix that before. Now the master seems to intentionally return when he one's not expected. Now we've made mention of this many times that the master very often visits you when you are not expecting. Isn't that right? You've been asking God some questions, asking for wisdom on a particular thing, and he visits you and gives you that at an hour you're not expecting. Like 2.30 in the morning. I wasn't expecting this. This is my sleep time. Visit me again at 7. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't take orders from us. Uh, no. He came in the midnight hour. What am, I, what am I supposed to do? Take care of the master. Yes, master. What is it that, that you are visiting? You're here. I wasn't expecting you, but I am ready. That's why I told you I keep pen and paper. Actually, I just keep my phone around me anymore. And if something comes, I just get up, pull the thing over, write it down, and then, and then go. Make sure that you do that. What if he sends somebody your way? Are you ready? We've got to be ready for this. We've got to be looking for the opportunities, the situations, because there are situations that are around us. Sometimes we're, we're, we are so honed in on a certain way that God's going to use us, we forget that he's very creative. And he can find all, find all kinds of ways for which he can use us. You're going to a restaurant. You sit down at the restaurant. Waiter or waitress is taking care of you. Do you know that's an opportunity? And God may have taken you right to that restaurant and had that particular server come over to your table for you to be a witness to them. For you to be a light to them. And all you did was eat your meal. And go your way. Why well, didn't feel anything in my spirit? Did you try it? Did you test it? Sometimes we just got to test the waters. We got to get a little more mindful about that. I got to get mindful about testing the waters. Engage them in conversation. Talk with them some. Find out. Sometimes people say, well, no, I would invite people at the church, but I already invited everybody I know, and they don't want to come. And so you just give up. Well, how about new people? Do you know you could be walking around the grocery store, and God could lead you to somebody? And you could minister to them? Invite them out to church? You can be at a restaurant and notice a table over there, and God give you something. You hear something they're talking about, and God give you something. Go tell them about this. And you're going over and you, you minister this to them. Or you find somebody who's sitting at the restaurant by themselves. Maybe you invite them on over. Hey, why don't you come over and join us? There's opportunities that are around us. We're just not always watching for it. But we need to be watching for it. Out in the parking lot, at the Walmart. People are coming to, in and out. Look for an opportunity. Maybe somebody over there, they're, they're pulling some heavy things out of their, their cart going over 
boy, that was so nice of you to help. Well, I know that if I was struggling with something, I would want my God to send somebody over to me. And he, my, uh, down in my spirit, I just felt I needed to come on over. Just talk, be open to him about it. Tell him why you're there. Why, do you think God actually told you to come over here and do that? Oh, yeah, 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 my God does stuff like that. My God loves you. He's concerned about you. You can start a whole conversation right there in the parking lot. But you're not looking for opportunities because you think, I don't have any. What if the Master is coming and he's seeing if you're ready? Maybe the Master came when you were in the Walmart parking lot. Maybe the Master came when you were sitting down in the restaurant. Maybe the Master came when you dealt kind of harshly with the person on the other side of the counter. How many listened to Lisa's message? Yeah, a lot of people listened to that one. A lot of you folks really liked it. I loved her opening story. She didn't start that off too well, but she recovered well. <laughs> See, sometimes we, we don't always start off well. Sometimes maybe she, like she did, she gave the, uh, what is it, the universal sign for I don't want to talk. <laughs> that was great. But then she just broke down and says, I'm sorry I've been a prude. And talk with her. The master will come at a time when you're not thinking about it, when you don't expect it. But you should always be watching. You should always be looking. You see, you've got to expand your view of this parable. This parable is before the wedding. I'm sorry, is after the wedding is already over. Only because the time of his return is uncertain. But there are multiple returns that he will come. There's nothing in this parable that says there's only one return. But we read it that way. And we gear everything up that I'm going to be ready when the master returns. But see them? It's probably going to be too late because he has sent to you and sent for you many times. Remember one of the exhortations that Jesus spoke of? He divided the sheep and the, and the, and the goats. And he said to the, to the one group, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was in prison, you came and visited me. Now we've gone over how that is an end times tribulation story. But the word of God has also told us that many have entertained angels unaware. How did you treat them? What did you do? We should look at every opportunity when we run into people as an opportunity to serve the Master. We should always be watching. And watching here does not mean sitting in your chair waiting for Jesus to show up. Watching means I am always about the Father's business. I am taking care of the household. And as soon as the Master shows up, I have an assignment. But the Master may have already shown up many times in your life, many times in my life. Maybe we weren't ready. We need to take the exhortation from this parable. I need to get ready. I need to be ready. And that servant who knew his Master's will and did not prepare himself to do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. We haven't gotten to this parable yet, but the parable of this good Samaritan. Isn't that someone that was that God used as an example because he stepped out and helped somebody that he just happened to come upon. 
God wants us to step out and to help people that we just happen to come upon. Got an assignment. Can I depend on you? Can I count on you? Will you be out there and will you help them? I got to make sure I know what the master's will is. I got to get into those things. But he goes on in verse 48, but he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few for everyone to whom much is given. From him much will be required and to whom much has been committed of him they will ask the more. Well, I didn't know. Well, it still says you're going to be beaten. I'd rather be blessed than beaten even a little. For to everyone much is given. From him much will be required. Well, I just won't get much then. Anywhere in this parable leads you to the conclusion that the less you know about the will of the master, the better off you are. Is there anything in that parable that would lead you to that conclusion? Everything in the parable to me points to the more you know the master, the more you're able to serve him, and the more you're able to meet the needs that he needs. And he will in turn turn around and serve you and bless you. The things of this world may need our attention, but they are not to become our main focus. This parable does not mean that all you can focus on is the return of Jesus and everything else is second nature. It's not what it's telling you. It's telling you the people in the house, they went about the business of the house. They took care of the house. They did all the things they needed to do in the house. But they always kept an eye out for when they would be called upon by the master. You go about your business. You do the things that are in this world for you to do. But you're always ready to be called on by the Master. Don't be saying, well, I'm too taken on with with this sort of stuff over here. These things that you're taking care of in this world, they're going to try and take your focus. Don't let them. Other people will try and take your focus. But don't let them. Your desire to hear the word and pursue its understanding will come under assault. Expect that there will be tribulation, persecution because of the word. But you need to endure. These are the things that we need to do. The enemy wants you unsaved. The enemy wants the world unsaved. But if he cannot get you to that place, if he cannot keep you in a place to be unsaved, then he will keep you unrewarded. Understand that's the goal of the enemy. If he cannot keep you unsaved, he will keep you unrewarded. He will have you live your Christian saved life in a way that you will not receive a reward. God wants our waist girded and our lamps burning. When the Master is returning, that's not the issue could be coming anytime and I believe multiple times but will you be busy will you be occupied with a business if the master wants me watching and ready what should I be watching and ready for him to call on me at any time I don't know when he's coming on I don't know when he's going to knock on my door and say hey come on need your assistance here Remember the parable of the sower. We already went over that one. The enemy comes after you. 
to keep you unrewarded by your lack of first off understanding people didn't understand the seed that was sown and so the seed was stolen it's going to keep you understanding now notice this there's no difference between stolen seed and no seed there is no difference it is exactly the same result if you just decide, if people in the, in the church just decide, I'm not going to listen to the Word of God being taught, that's the same thing as having the seed stolen. No seed is the same thing as having the seed stolen. There's also a difference between milk and meat. Milk, I'm a, I'm a, good, I'm a good milk drinker. I can drink regular milk, but I love chocolate milk. You all know that. I love chocolate milk. I can take a glass of tall chocolate milk, and in less than 10 seconds, it's gone. It don't take me long. I'm no sipper. If we're here with a glass of chocolate milk, the goal is to drink it. And I accomplish that task with rapid effort. We put that thing right on down. And some, sometimes you hear the word, and a lot of people are satisfied with milk. Take it down. No big deal. Going out there. But you see, Paul told us that if you want real maturity, you've got to get out of just the milk stage. And you've got to get into the what stage? The meat stage. You know the difference between milk and meat? When you take a piece of meat, what happens? I've got to chew it. I've got to chew it a little while. And the better meat, like steak, you've got to chew longer than hamburger. You've got to chew it. I like when a preacher... Makes me chew. I like it when he says to, oh man, I gotta, I gotta meditate on that one. Oh, I gotta, I gotta let that one get into me. Oh, that was good. Oh, that was good. Now, Fred Price was always one who could do that. Boy, he would throw out meat to you. I am, I am, I have launched all kinds of efforts to get more Fred Price for y'all. I have written the ministry, begging them, anything. I will take tapes. I don't care. Any medium that you have, if you have it in the storeroom, you want to get rid of something, I will buy it from you. I'll buy them a tape, convert them over to digital ministry, and uh, and get them out there for you. Uh, because I I tell you, I've gone through a whole lot of stuff on the on the internet. Most of it's the same. There's one series I don't know that I could put up there on a Monday. It's he's a little tough. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I've gone through. It's a, it's got a lot to it. I mean, I've pulled out about 20 parts to this thing. But I know, I'm listening to this, and well, I know some people won't be able to handle that. Because uh, you have to know Brother Fred. And Brother Fred, he's just as frank, and he's just as plain, and I, I love him for it. But I, I know, I, all right, well, he just dug into that issue, and I know some folks are not going to like the way he dug into that issue. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I listen to him. But it's, it's good. Make sure, though, get some meat. There are, you get through the Word of God, you ought to have to, to chew on it for a little while. Milk won't do that for you. It won't help you know the master's will, but the meat will. That was the first thing we saw in that parable of the sower. Understanding. And we saw enduring. You gotta make sure that you endure. You gotta have some roots. Those seeds didn't get good roots. They were scorched. You gotta make sure that you can endure what's coming against you. And then there's focus. There's the cares of this world. They're gonna try and pull you from these things. Don't let them pull you from these things. Stay focused. You've got to stay ready. You are in the house of God. He is the master. He may not be here right now, but he's got you on the job. But he's going to send some people to you. 
is going to come knocking on the door. And are you ready? Are you looking for him? Are you watching? This is, this is the attitude he's trying to do. I hope it changes your viewpoint of this parable a little bit by not looking at a single return of the master but understanding this could be multiple returns. He could be showing up any day. Hey, I need you over here. I have this that I have for you over here. One of the things we love to challenge you with is in the month of August, be looking for someone to bring out the church with you. I don't care if there's a brand new person. I don't care if you have to go walking out in the street. Hey, you're not in church. Come on with me. Be about the master's business. Be, be so focused on it. He wants you watching. And that does not mean sitting in a chair watching the door. Because understand this. No one was watching the path. There's not a single person in this story who was watching the path. All they did was respond to the knock. Which means they didn't see him approach. They just heard him call. A lot of Christians, they want to watch the path. Sit there at the window watching the path. If you want a visual on this, I'm sorry for all you cat people, but if you want a visual on this, visualize a dog, because cats don't do this. When the master of the house, be it male or female, leaves the house, what is the mentality of the dog? He's waiting. He wants to hear the sounds of the master returning. When the master returns, what's, what's the dog do? Gets excited. Doesn't care if you've been gone an hour, you've been gone a day. Gets just as excited. You're home. <laughs> what's a cat do? You again. It was so peaceful here when you're gone. But a dog is watching for you. We've got to have that same mentality. Every day, the master may be calling on me to witness, to minister, to do something for the people that I come in contact with. Every time, I've got to be looking for him. Stop looking for this once in, a, in the end of life time for Christ to come. And be looking. Today, he might come. And he might call on me. And am I ready? Am I looking for it? I begin to look. Is God calling me for this one over here? I don't know. Let me go find out. And you just go over and you start having a conversation. You just start talking to some people. Finding out what God's going to do with that. All right, nothing much came out of that one. I'll go on over here. But you're always watching. Always looking. Let the words of Roz echo in your head. How many know who Roz is? Always watching. Monsters, Inc. This one lady who's behind the desk, she's always watching. Always watching. Everybody's doing. And so we, we do that. We have this joke around with the grandkids all the time. Always watching. That's how she talks. God's watching. We should be watching for him. And if he comes and he sees that this is how you are living. He's going to say, you know what? I know you're here to set up to, to minister to me, but I am ready to bless you. I am ready to be here 
and I want to open it up for you. Come, sit. I'm going to take care of you. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the things we can learn from your word. You have made us ready. You have prepared us to be servants in your kingdom. You have equipped us with gifts, with understanding, with knowledge. You've sent us out into the world. And we're not just out there in the world just to take care of ourselves. We're out there in this world to minister to the people who have not yet come in. Because we know one of the things that you showed us in your word that you are holding back on the final days is to get as many people into the kingdom as possible. Father, we want to be a help for that. Help us to always be watching, always be looking, eager to take a step be one that you can use. We want to learn the voice of God. This is one way we'll do it. When we get out there and we start ministering to people and you speak to us, you tell us things to say, we can come out of there and say, oh, I heard the voice of God so clearly as he told me what to say and what to do. Father, I thank you for the way that will minister to the people we reach and ourselves. We give you the glory and the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope that uh, helps you out in some of the things that you do and your understanding of this particular parable. As we uh, go into our uh, Monday video teaching, which will be coming out tomorrow, I have uh, another one coming to you from uh, Priscilla. She is uh, coming out. She actually did a teaching. I just stumbled upon this uh, Friday, I think it was. Uh, she did a teaching on John 10. I'm not sure what conference she was at. She was at some conference. She was doing some things on John 10. So I thought, well, maybe it might be good for you to hear it from another perspective. Somebody else coming out there on, on this thing. So that's uh, it's already up there on our YouTube page. You can find it there now. But the link will be coming out in the uh, text messages and also on the Facebook. You'll be seeing that around 10 o'clock tomorrow. That will be uh, be going on. So I hope you en- enjoy that. Um, I'm it, I, I, I really enjoyed Lisa's. I, in, I also enjoyed this one, but I'll tell you, Lisa's was just uh, really enjoyed the things she was bringing out. And I was appreciative of the comments that you all were making back to me about that. Wednesday night. Oh, I forgot to, to go over this with you. Did you all notice in your bulletin I made a few changes? On the inside page, I took out all the normal announcements we put in there to just let people know out here some of the things we're doing. And I took a list that we had on, on Wednesday and I uh, put it up on Facebook but I know most people don't see this stuff on Facebook and uh, put it in here for you instead so these are things that if we can do these things we can put ourselves in a position to receive go back and listen on Wednesday Wednesday that you can get the audio you can get the YouTube if you're having a hard time finding any of that stuff just let me know but I had to cut this out of the outline so I wanted to make sure that you get it there were five things in this prophecy that if we can do, what he was telling them was this. I'm just going to give you this, the rundown on this. Blessings are coming. As determined as I was, this is what the Lord said, as determined as I was to send judgment to the house of Israel, I am just as determined to send blessing now. That's what he said in the prophecy through Zechariah. I am just as determined to send the prophecy, the, the, the blessings to you now. 
But he's, he's basically telling them this. I need you to be in a position. It's coming. The blessings are coming. I need you in a position to receive it. And he gave them these things to do. These things, folks, will work. They will put you in a position to receive from God. First thing is speak the truth, which means you have to know it. If you're going around you're speaking the things that the media has told you about and it's not truth, you are not speaking truth. You're speaking something else. you got to make sure that everything, not just, not just truth from the Word, that everything you speak out of your mouth is truth. If I don't know it to be true, I don't say it. If I hear a rumor about somebody, I don't repeat it because I don't know that it's true. You get this all the way down to the, to, to the basic area of your life. That you do not speak it if you do not know it's true. If you think it's true, you don't speak it. Till you know it's true. Speak truth. Be fair. These are, this is my summary of those two verses. Be fair and avoid being partial. Sometimes, well, I like them because they're whatever. They're from my neighborhood. They're people, they're, they're from my relatives. For some reason, we're partial to them. No, be fair. If you cannot, cannot be fair and impartial with someone who is different from you, you will not live up to this verse. And you will not, you'll be taking yourself out of position to be blessed by God. Be fair and avoid being partial. Isn't God fair? Doesn't He avoid being partial? Mimic Him. Be peaceable, not divisive. A lot of times people are saying things and they cause division over stupid things. You can, you're going to cause division speaking the truth. But your intention was to be peaceable. Be peaceable, not divisive. Don't think evil. In other words, when you hear something about somebody, don't be thinking evil about your neighbor. That's what he says. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Here's the last one. Despise lying. That means you don't lie yourself. But when you hear lies, you despise it. How many times you hear... This is one reason I despise the people in the media so much. Because my father despises lying. I hear them lie. I despise it. Everything in me despises that lying. Because that's how our Father is. Remember the seven things that the Lord hates? Go back and look that scripture up. You're going to find out. It's a very similar list of what's here. When we can get ourselves to be walking this way, miracles will be happening in your life. Because the blessings of God are coming. But we've got to be in a position to receive it. So anyway, I wanted to make sure that you had it. You can cut it out if you want to. Put it up uh, some, somewhere to remind you of these things or do whatever that you want to. Throw it away. Whatever you, whatever you want to do. But I know not everybody's going to see that up on Facebook. And I um, want to make sure that you, you got a hold of that. But uh, keep in mind, look out here for August. But look out here for today as well. Who is it that God is bringing along your path that you can minister to? Who is it that God's knocking on your door with this particular person over here? Are you going to be there? Are you going to be helping them? Are you going to do the Master's will? Wednesday night we'll be taking on chapter 9 of Zechariah. I hope you all get to join us on that. If you can't join it here in, in the building, then certainly you can join us on YouTube, Facebook, things like that. Have a great day.